1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, thanks for listening to Dirt
2: and Sprague On Demand, a Service Patriots podcast.
3: Service Patriots is your home comfort solution for all your heating and air conditioning needs. Check out the latest special offers for our listeners at servicepatriots.com slash the fan.
4: It's time for Dirt and
1: Sprague. All of a sudden I, one week... Nobody had anything down there. Anymore. It's a new world. I was born too, uh, too early. I've never
5: been a fan of the first. Really? Yeah. On,
4: With Andy Dirt Johnson. I'm
5: going to need some pliers and uh, set a 30-weight
4: ball bearing. What?
6: The hell you need ball bearings for me? Oh, come on, guys. It's so simple. Maybe you need a refresher course. It's all ball bearings nowadays.
4: And Brendan Sprague. Only problem is he's got a little bit of Mississippi leg out in it. If the mood catches him right, he'll grab your leg
5: and just go to town. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want him around if you wear his short pants, if you know what I mean.
4: Dirt and Sprague on 1080.
5: I pride myself and think of myself as a, a man of faith. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, that will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4-0 ballgame. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again.
4: The Fan.
5: All right, welcome
2: back in. Hour number two, Dirt and Sprague here on Portland Sports Leader 1080. The Fan, the Odyssey app, 99.5 HD2. And youtube.com backslash 1080 the fan. If you missed the first hour of the show, I can't believe it's already flown by, but you can catch it at the Service Patriots podcast at 1080 thefancom or wherever you get your podcast. Mondays always go way too quick. They do. Way too quick. Uh, check out the latest special offers for listeners at ServicePatriots.com com slash the fan. Uh, you can also reach us at the Vancouver Ford text line 503 864 6326. They treat you right before, during, and after the sale. For more information, you can find it at VancouverFord.com. Josh Pate's going to hop on at the bottom of the hour. Pate State's going to Corvallis, Oregon, USA. Uh, Game day of ESPN is not, despite there being a top-ten matchup. They're going to head to James Madison, who's unranked and is not bowl eligible.
3: But, man, what a story. What a story. They made that decision for one reason and one reason only. They knew exactly what was waiting for them in Corvallis, and they wanted no part of it. So, you really buy that, don't you? I 100% do. Because I I did too, but I couldn't tell how biased I was thinking this. That is 100 Like, dude, these people understand the noise. And if you've been anywhere near social media for the last, oh, I don't know, three months, how do Beaver fans feel about ESPN this year? Their announcers have called them the Ducks on multiple occasions. Yesterday, you sent me a snippet of a recap of their game against Stanford in which they said the Ducks win by whatever margin was their biggest win. Their 45-point win earlier this year. The Ducks... conference win this weekend against Stanford at home looked really good. You know, those Oregon State Ducks or those Oregon Beavers I'm a big, big fan of. Like, dude, you guys hate ESPN, and I don't blame you at all for feeling the emotions you feel. They knew exactly how that crowd was going to react to them being on campus. They don't want to touch on the the dirty topics. This has been their their thing all season long. There's two teams in the Power 5 who are getting left behind. They're getting left behind because the TV networks don't want to pay for them to be in a Power 5 conference. That's how this works, and so they chose the easy way out.
2: Yeah, the Kirk Herbstreet responded to somebody basically saying, "Why would you not choose this game? This is the best game of the weekend." Street basically said, "I'm going to be there calling the game on
3: ABC." I imagine he's not thrilled, dude. Do you know how far away James Madden is, Madison is from Oregon State? It's about as far away as you can get. He's going to have to hop on a private jet to get all the yes. way. Like that's a long
2: day, dude. He, he will be getting off that bird in Corvallis and probably heading straight to the stadium with like an hour and a half to two yes. hours left before
3: game time. Yes, he's going to be miserable. He, I'm, I would imagine, if you asked him, would you rather do the show in Corvallis, hang in Corvallis, and watch football yeah. all day, and then call the game? He would say, yes, I would do that in a heartbeat. Well, I was going to get to the ducks, but now you've you've already sidetracked
2: it. your. List Let's just get it. into it. I. If the, if this was the SEC or a Big Ten matchup where these are two top ten teams and they will be top ten when the playoff rankings are released tomorrow. I think it already is in the AP, right? It's, it's already, already in the AP, yeah. but the one that counts is the playoff ranking sure. and uh, Ole Miss loss and uh, Penn State loss. So you got two teams that are getting bounced. Louisville won, and so did Oregon State. So naturally they get slotted up. This is a top ten matchup. ESPN would not make this decision if this was the SEC, the Big <laughs> no, 12, no. or the Big Ten. No. Maybe even the ACC, I could see if you told me like Florida State-Clemson's a top 10 matchup at Florida State with this same stuff. Yeah, they're there. They're there. And I'm I'm with you. I think this is a whole lot of cowardice. You don't want to face the music of a decision you made, which by the way, still continues to be a very weird decision to me. Because no matter how you feel about Washington State and Oregon State, whether they're players with some of the big dogs or not, mm-hmm. of all of the restructuring, all of the realignment of All of those teams, only two got told no. Not in the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the ACC. Of all of the teams involved in the realignment, two were told, no, you're out. And for reasons that are basically geography and eyeballs because the network's been terrible and so Oregon State, Washington State play games on those networks and don't get a lot of eyeballs. Yes. But I did see this, which was really funny, and it was, you know, kind of a prototypical beer tweet, but I think it's funny. Them, you need to win more games. Oregon State, okay, they win more <laughs> games. Them, you need to have more fans at games. This year, with their stadium opening, 103% stadium capacity for the season. Them, you need more TV viewers. Their fourth highest viewership in the Pac-12. So, like, every criteria thing that somebody's thrown check, at an Oregon check, State fan. check. Checked it right off, Dirt. I'm with you. This is... It's cowardice. They know this is wrong. James Madison's a great story, but I saw a Beaverman make a good point. This will be the third time they've been at James Madison in 10 years. They've only been at Corvallis once, and it was only because the Ducks needed to win that game to go to the title... And they haven't been back since. So, it, Pat McAfee shouldn't be too happy about that one, right? He should be uh, kind of slamming them all weekend. James Madison, I mean, like, what are we doing here? Like, it, by
3: his attitude that he's, you know, his, his like holier than thou, nobody cares about small schools. If he's excited at all about James Madison this weekend, I'm going to flip a lid. Sorry, I'm, I'm a little punchy this morning. I'm running <laughs> on like three hours of sleep. Everybody's yes. fired up today. I love somebody texted, me, this is an angry version of Dirt and Spring. And like, I don't think we're that <laughs> angry. We're just fired up, man. We're passionate. Well, I kind of was. I, I thought this. This was a no-brainer. It's a chicken-ass move, dude. It is. Yeah. It is chicken-ass. That's that's the only way you can label
2: it. Dirt. I I text an Oregon State representative because I was asking for a media parking pass for this weekend's game,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and they were like, "Are you going to cover?" It? And I was like, ah, "I'll be honest with you, no. I'm just, I want to go to the game. I'd like a close spot." And so I was texting with them about this, and basically said, "Hey, you're going to have to go to Overfill because ESPN." And I said, "Oh, have they told you game days there?" And they said, "No, but we'll find out Saturday." Uh, either evening or night is usually when they announce it. They usually let the schools involved know, like, hey, we didn't choose you. Right. They had prepared This was not an Oregon State thing. Oregon State was doing everything they could to roll out the red carpet and welcome ESPN. Despite everything ESPN has helped do to that university, Oregon State was on the other side going, hey, we're going to give you everything you need. And they didn't get him. So, mm-hmm. like, it's, um, you mentioned McAfee schultz I'm not saying this is a McAfee decision. I don't think it is. But I certainly don't know how excited he is, despite being a wrestling heel professionally. (laughs) I don't know how excited he'd be to come to a place that he basically kind of helped call out with the Washington State stuff, because I don't know how he would have been received at Oregon State.
3: Not very well, and again, that's why they made this decision. Instead of looking at it as an opportunity to let's showcase, which is ironic to even say, because ESPN has the purse string and the power to change all of this in a heartbeat if they want to. They're choosing not to. But instead of choosing like, hey, Last home conference game for Oregon State this year. The last one in the Pac-12. This is going to be a game that you remember forever. Like, this is, I don't know what the future is going to hold. I don't know what things look like five years from now. This will be a game that you tell people, especially if Oregon State wins, this has an opportunity to be one of the biggest games in the history of that program. Um, and And you had a chance as a network to come in and shine the light on that. Look at this 10-win team from a year ago. Look at how good. Like, they are two losses by a combined six total points away from being undefeated at this point in the season. They're one of the rising programs that nobody wants to play, especially when they're at home. Like, the fact that they don't have a home next year is an embarrassment to the sport, and it's an absolute joke. And you had the chance to come in and shine the light on that, and they chose not to. Instead, they chose to go to James Madison, as you point out, for the third time. I will say, and I don't want to just toot his own horn because he's coming on, I'm genuinely a P1 a paid show. I think he does a really good job breaking down and talking about college football in a way that's not clickbaity. It's not Deion Sanders ball gargling. It's, like, informative and entertaining, and I appreciate it. The theme, if you don't watch his show, is the theme of his Saturday tours, Once Upon a Saturday, and the theme that started before the year began was he wanted that to be the theme because this is the last year of college football as we know it. And there's not a better game to go to this weekend no. to sum up the Once Upon a Saturday tour than this one, where you have a team that's going to be ranked in the top 10, who still doesn't have a schedule, nor do they have a conference for next year. They don't know where they're going, they don't know who they're playing, but here they are at 8-2, and, and if they win this weekend, guess what? It sets up a winner-take-all, not winner-take-all, because you still got to go win the conference title, sure. but the winner of Oregon State and Oregon would go to the Pac-10 or Pac-12 championship. Like That's what's on the line in the next two weeks, and this team somehow doesn't have a home. I don't mean this disrespect respectfully at all to Washington state because Washington state has a proud fan base, but the way that they have fallen off has not helped their argument. They've lost five straight games program seems to be in a little bit of disarray. You're not sure about the coach, six, six straight games. Thank you. Like that's a different storyline. This is a team who last year, won 10 games beat Florida in a bowl game. Now they're on the brink of winning nine, maybe having a chance at Mm -hmm. 10 again, if they win this weekend, like Oregon state's in a good spot. And this is the, one of the more, egregious injustices that i've seen in sports in a long time and shame on espn for cowering away from highlighting that
2: uh oregon takes care of usc at home we'll talk about that next josh Pate at 7 30 dirt and sprague back with more
0: on the fan. okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road
1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
4: This is Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan.
2: All right, Josh Pate coming up. Pate State at the bottom of the hour. Oregon beats USC 36-27 Saturday night. Pack 12 after
3: dark. Nobody gave us a chance, man. Not a single one. Not a single one. Not- Everybody on game day nope. picked Oregon. Nobody's giving us a shot, dude. Pate State has them second in the J.P. poll.
2: Oh, man. <laughs> us you guys against the world. Flying right under the radar. Uh, Caleb's <laughs> numbers were 19-34 for 291 and 1-tud. Yep. Uh, Bo Nix was twenty-three of thirty-one for four twelve and four tuds, no picks. He started the game two of two for one sixty-one, so that helped in two touchdowns. That's a pretty good way to start a game. Bucky Irving was awesome. Uh, also, another week where he on the sidelines looked like his season's over, and then two <laughs> plays later he's back playing.
3: Yeah, it didn't make any sense.
2: So I don't know what they're giving him, but they're giving him the best stuff, the uh, good stuff. He had nineteen carries for one hundred eighteen yards, six point two yards per clip and he had a touchdown as well. I have an underrated star of the game. Ooh. And I thought Dan landing very briefly mentioned him in the post game but okay. didn't highlight him. What was your takeaway though? You were there on the sidelines. I was. Uh I got two part question. What did you think of the game <laughs> and how fun is Caleb to see in person do Dude, what he kind of does?
3: Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like, you're just in awe. That First off, it was fun to get a look at him because you're just—I'm always curious, like, how big are these dudes? Like, you know that he's a little undersized. His calves look like they have, like, melons in them. He's a big leg just guy, yeah. Just massive. Like, dear God, the legs are huge. How tall did he look? Uh, Very small. Very—like, not like Between tall. me and you? Yeah, or my height. Like, yeah, about your height. Okay, and I'm thinking, oh, all right, first so overall six one in shoes. Gonna do that again. Okay, okay. we'll all see right. how that works out in the NFL. But that's besides the point. He had some plays that just made your jaw drop to the floor. When you asked me the takeaway from the game, there's a lot of frustrations. There's a lot of critiques, penalties, offense not finishing drives, yada yada yada. Let's start with a positive. I I thought that was maybe the best defensive performance we've seen in the Dan Lanning era. They were incredible in my mind. When you go look at the two touchdowns that USC scored in the first half, it was trick plays and miracles. And those are going to happen when you play Caleb Williams. He had a throw to set up that first, first off on that uh, opening touchdown drive that they had, not opening, but the first one that they scored. He first had a hook shot pass. That was unreal. He had a hook He was going out <laughs> of bounds. Literally he, a sky hook. He threw a hook shot in a football game. <laughs> and it was like a 12-yard gain for a first down. Okay. I He had another one after a sack on like second and 19 in which I I was standing like 20 feet from it. He is running for his life towards the Oregon Mm sideline. Somehow throws a ball across his body. If the ball's two feet to the left, it gets picked (laughs) off. If the ball's two feet to the right, it goes out of bounds. Where'd he put it? And it was just boom. All right, there you go. Dorian Singer, here's a 40-yard completion. Like, how? I was standing there watching him like, oh, we're gonna get him again. We're gonna get him again. And it was a 40-yard completion. Like, that's what it took for USC to score early in that game. When you Look at the numbers going into the fourth quarter. I made sure to write these down when I went back and re-watched it. You know what he was going into the fourth quarter? 12 of 21 for 169 yards. Like their defense was outstanding. Now they got a little loose with coverage in the fourth and started playing some shell cover too. Let's not get beat deep, miss some missing some tackles, but the way that they played defensively to get after him and make him his life miserable and make him at times look human, I, I was inspired by, and I thought that was the biggest takeaway. I uh, There's a
2: an ape in Hawaii that we saw at the uh, Oahu Zoo or the Waikiki Zoo, and they have this big thing on their neck, and they, they make these calls. It's how they communicate, and when they communicate, the neck thing pops up, and it looks like an air bubble. It's a, mm. It's really trippy to see in person but they're very loud when they make the noise. He had five plays in this game all alone in my living room. I'm making the same noise. <laughs> he did that hook shot. I, I saw it in real time, and I'm like, what? Did he really just do that? A hook shot pass on the run, yeah. by the way. One just like, oh, here. It was let me run full speed away from the de- defense and let me just hook it over my head. It did feel like watching... It felt like Oregon versus Caleb Williams. How is this going to go? The defense didn't exist for USC. Troy Franklin, Tez Johnson, they made a joke of that defense. Bucky Irving ran all over it. Bo Nix had no problems at all. It really felt like just trotting one guy into Autzen Stadium and saying, how many points can you score on this team? <laughs> see what you can do. And we'll see what you can do. I know what you said earlier about it, you know, being a little tighter a margin and and not as big a blowout. I get it. But we talked about this last week, man. He, he is a special player, mm-hmm. and special players make special plays. You cannot prepare. A couple of those improvisations, you cannot prepare for. There's no, nobody in that program and on that team that can run scout and say, I'm going to be Caleb Williams, and you're ready for it. But I thought they did a great job, to your point, maintaining it, not allowing him to overcome them as a defense and maybe dictate the energy in that building. The offense never had any problems at all, but I thought Lanning highlighted the biggest thing, at least for me. I thought the kick coverage on Branch was excellent, and and that might not be the biggest deal to everybody. It could be defensive line, cornerbacks, even though both their cornerbacks got hurt in Florence uh, and Jackson. Mm-hmm. It, it could be Bo Nix. It could be Franklin. I don't know who you'd pick, but I really thought underrated part of that game was their punt and kickoff team coverage, because Zachariah Branch at any given play can bust one and change kind of the momentum of things and it felt like he caused they caused him to do more bad for his team than good he had he had losses on some of these kickoffs and i thought that was the most underrated part of Oregon was taking away maybe the second biggest weapon for USC and Zachariah Branch?
3: Yeah, it's fair. I don't disagree with it. They had one of the worst personal foul penalties I've seen in my years of watching football on Terrence Ferguson after his touchdown, and I was standing right down in that end zone. And he tapped his chest, pointed to the sky. They gave him a 15-yard personal foul penalty. I don't know if there was any explanation why he got that. I didn't see anything when I went back and rewatched the game about anything that was said. But what that does is it then forces you to make that kickoff to branch from 15 yards back where usually you can boot it into the end zone. And I thought that was the play that he highlighted and was unbelievable because they forced him to run back to kick it on the left. Yep. He then tried to take it all the way to the other side of the field and they covered it perfectly and pinned USC inside the 15-yard line. With all all these critics, like, look, th- this stuff is nitpicky. There's no doubt. Um, I had no issues with what Oregon did defensively all night. You mentioned the injuries at corner; they played a little softer coverage up big in the fourth quarter. USC took advantage of that. Until that point, though, defensively, I thought they were dominant. Caleb is going to happen from time to time. Right when you get beat on some of those plays, you just say, "All right." Like. Literally nothing you can do. If he's going to throw a hook shot, there's nothing you can do. with Before the PI call that I thought was the other one that just was an absolute turning point in that game, it was 36-14 to 14 with 13 minutes to go. If they don't throw that flag, which was a horrible flag on fourth down because that was a hope and a prayer throw, it was two guys tangling and you throw a flag on that. It's just awful. You're on the 31-yard line going in with a 36-14 to lead. Mm -hmm. And you're probably going to score on that drive. You can make it a 40-13 to game, right? Like, at that point, you can blow the game open, and there's a much different feeling of it. The reason, though, why some of this stuff is critical and nitpicky is you don't have the benefit that Florida State or Washington has in terms of being undefeated. You don't. Like, you're in a mix right now with other one-loss teams when it comes to the college football playoff race. And I know most of this stuff will settle itself, but Alabama's playing great, and they're starting to climb up. Well, they're in the SEC championship. Yes, game. That's, that's guaranteed. Clinched. They're going to play yeah. Georgia, Texas. According to you know, they got a win. Another bad second half, mm-hmm. similar TCU to what Oregon. Came did. Back. They did. They were up big, and TCU came back for the second straight. Four states to Put away Miami. Four states undefeated. So Oregon's yeah. not going to jump ahead of them. They're undefeated if they win out. They're in. Washington is undefeated. You can eke out as many wins as you sure. want. You're not going to be ranked ahead of them. It's just not going to happen until you find a way. If you get the chance to beat them, the only criticisms that I had honestly were offensively for them. They didn't run the football as efficiently as I thought that they would. Maybe some of that was the change. A D coordinator. And then there was the little stuff of like two point conversions. And then you chased it. And now it's 19 to 7 instead of 21 to 7. And then you had the drive at the end of the half where you had the chance to score a fourth touchdown. The penalties derailed it. You had to settle for a field goal. You had opportunities late in the second half to kind of put the game on ice and just say, all right, it's over. And again, penalties kind of you know stalled you out offensively at times. There was a lot of those weird funky plays. They had Troy Franklin fall down when it would have caught an easy touchdown pass. You had Jack. Jackson Powers Johnson throw a ground ball snap late in that game. I thought he had the bad, the worst like, night of what anybody. What are we doing? You, like, just couldn't get the snap yeah. off the ground. There was just they they fumbled an exchange inside their own five yard line. Yeah, and Jordan James are lucky fell he saw it and fell on the ball because that would have changed everything Dude, if USC recovered. So that. these are the things that I think you're critical of because you say if you play a team that's more complete, that's like if you do that stuff against Oregon State, you're going to lose. If you do that stuff against the rematch against Washington, you could lose. So uh, there's a reason you're critical. Love the way the defense played offensively, I didn't like the way that they finished. But, again, you're nitpicking a nine-point win over USC. Uh, Let's
2: talk to Josh Pate, what he makes in the conference, the game day decision, the coaching moves, all of it. Josh Pate is next for the Daily Ticker, but first Schultz with a sports update.
4: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In this wide world of sports, some stories can slip through the cracks. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. This is the Daily Ticker, where Dirt and Sprague visit the insiders that are covering the stories you've heard about, and some you haven't. How do you do that? I'm not even mad. It's amazing. The Daily Ticker, with Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan.
3: All right, Daily Ticker time here on a Monday. And boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to react to from the weekend and some big stuff to get to in the week ahead. Joining us now is... our. Our good friend, friend of the program, Josh Pate, the commissioner of college football, late Kick Live on YouTube, the late Kick podcast, at Lake Kick Josh on Twitter. And he is a man who was not afraid to face the crowds in Corvallis, Oregon, unlike some major <laughs> networks out there. Josh, was it an easy decision, tough decision? You're heading to Corvallis, Oregon this weekend.
5: Yeah, I, I thought it was an easy decision. I mean, I'm looking at it wondering whether we're going to have to be limited because sideline space is going to be dedicated to other networks showing up. Then all of a sudden I'm told, hey, not going to be an issue. No one else is coming up there. And I'm like, okay, well, um, we'll take that easy PR win. So, yes, we will be up there with Bellone.
2: Uh, You have been controversial to some in the Pacific Northwest with the J.P. poll. You always explain it, but people still get fired up when they see the graphic. Uh, I'm curious. You're going to be in Corvallis. Oregon State, obviously, a much different team when they play at home versus the road. But Washington, I think, Josh, has something that's kind of a weakness for Oregon State. How do you see this matchup going this weekend?
5: yeah I look the j p is controversial. My mom hates it, so everyone <laughs> thinks it's controversial, so that's fine. um I, well, so here's what I'm interested in. Could you, in twenty seconds explain to me what you think that exposure possibility is because maybe we align on this?
2: No, yeah, for sure. i just from watching Oregon State home road splits they've they've had to replace some secondary guys, and they've also been banged up throughout the season. I think Oregon State can definitely beat Washington at home, but I think Washington has the ability to go in there and take care of business because I think that's kind of the weakness and the pass rush. Chatfield's been great for the Beavers, but that Husky offensive line was really good for Pennix against Utah. If he gets any time, I just I think he can pick them apart.
5: So, that's kind of where my head's at. And I'm going to do a deeper dive on that game tomorrow when we break it down on our show, but I think you know, sometimes you can harness Like, sometimes you can harness pass rush combined with good DB play and sort of play off of a home crowd, which obviously goes into a lot of home road split. And if Oregon State can do that, it doesn't take a sustained effort over four quarters. It takes spots. It takes disruptive spots and moments. Those moments turn games. In a game where we score in threes and sevens, they turn games. And so, like, I, I do not have any illusion, for example, that, I'm looking at Washington held under, you know, 16 points going into the fourth quarter. Maybe it happens. I don't expect that. What I do think you have to have is you have to have some guys play the game of the year for you. Uh, you have to be disruptive. You have to sort of crowbar the bicycle spoke, which I've spoken about on this, air, on this program before, where you have facets of your approach that it sort of stun them a little bit, like a cattle prod to the neck. If you can do that and disrupt enough and, and keep them from getting into the mid-upper 30s or beyond, yeah, that game is yours for the taking. Even though Utah didn't score a point on them in the second half, they can be scored on. Like, they can be scored on. You just – home crowd's got to do their job. And they have all year for
3: Oregon State. We'll see if they can do it again this weekend. It's going to be an awesome atmosphere. The final home game of the of the Pac-12 era for Oregon State. We're talking with Josh Pate, the commissioner at kick Josh on Twitter. Catch the show on YouTube, and the podcast is everywhere. Uh, I felt like you kind of called me out on the show last night, Pate. Come watch it. I'm a P1. I enjoy the show. And you're going through like Florida State and Washington and some of these teams who are struggling to win games late in the year. And you're like, this this is new for them. They're trying to, you got to figure this out. You're climbing to the top of the mountain. And I'm watching Oregon's game on Saturday night and I'm getting a little nitpicky here of like, why haven't you separated? Why is this a one possession game at halftime? I love the way you play defensively, but the penalties and some miscues. Am I being nitpicky to be not over the moon of a nine point win for Oregon over USC?
5: No, look, we we have the kind of relationship where we can dole out tough love. I think everyone knows that. And so, yes, you are. Okay, you need to calm down a little bit. Thank
4: you. (laughs) Thank you, Josh.
5: You just need to cool it about five or ten miles an hour. And um, here's what I tried to say, and I, I try and reiterate this this time of year as much as I can. Alabama is not playing close games in November as much because they've been there before and they're ultra talented. Georgia just demolished Ole Miss the other day because they've been there before and they know when to hit the gas. Clemson under Dabo got that way, where they look average at best in October, and you'd start saying they're no playoff team. Well, then in November, it's like, what happened to Clemson? This looks like a different team. That's not by accident. But these teams like Florida State or even Oregon or Washington, these teams that have never breathed this air, find out November is such a long month in college football. I know it looks like four weeks on the calendar just like any other month. It's not. It it feels like an eternity and you are climbing, and you're breathing that thin air, and your body's never had a chance to acclimate to it like the other guys, like Alabama and Georgia, who look like they're totally at ease, just taking apart teams that would have pushed them to the brink uh, a month ago. And that's, that's the way it is. So Washington beats Utah by a touchdown. Oregon doesn't pull away from USC to the tune of people's liking. FSU has to have a fourth-quarter score to beat Miami, and folks are like, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. Now, the, the things that happen in Tuscaloosa and Athens are the exception to the rule. You're witnessing the rule. This is what contenders look like most of the time in our sport in November. You're taking everyone's best shot. You're banged up. The air's thin. It's a 100-foot it's tightrope walk, and no one wants to fall, and you're really tight sometimes.
2: Yeah, Josh, that was a nice way of calling him soft. I appreciate you doing that. I tried to do that earlier and tell him to shut up. They won by nine. like There was never a doubt that they were beating that that USC team. Uh, I, we got to ask about the college thing with Jimbo at A&M. That, I think that surprised some people uh, that they decided to pay the 75 to $80 million for Jimbo to go away. I, I know this is very early on, uh, but if I gave Josh Pate – Uh, an ear from, like, the lead donator or whoever at Texas A&M,
5: who does Josh Pate lean in and go,
2: I think you should go after this guy?
5: Well, I mean, I'd go after Lanning, but, I look, I'd go after Kirby Smart, too. I'd go (laughs) after anyone if I don't have a limit on me. Um, I'm not getting Kirby Smart. I I have doubts as to how serious that whole Lanning thing would be, and so if I'm looking at a list of realistic candidates, I'd go get Mike Norvell problem is last time they went to Florida State to get a head coach, it didn't turn out so well. So maybe that well is soured a little bit. I'll tell you one, though, that I keep getting thrown back to me by agents and uh, some coaches, and that's Glenn Schumann over there at Georgia, who is the coordinator that got elevated when Landing left. Schumann's worked at Bama. He's worked at Georgia, and that's it. Those are the only ways he knows. He is from North Dallas, I believe, and which is not being talked about right now. Uh, he's 33, though, so he's a very young coach. He's a coordinator. He's never been a head coach. I don't know if they want to roll the dice like that. And, frankly, you don't have to roll the dice on an unproven commodity if you can spend like A&M can spend. But it was really interesting when I was doing some digging on that yesterday. The assumption out there is if you're paying a guy 77 mil to go away, it must have been a bunch of booster money that was raised. And that is not what they did. They are paying that thing out of the athletic fund, which is obviously filled by booster money, but it's, mm-hmm. it's not like they passed the hat around in the last week. And so I say that to say – This is not going to be a search that is beholden to the whims of mega boosters. They are going to do the due diligence. I I know who they're working with. They're working with the right firms, and I think they'll get a quality candidate in there. That is a top-tier job. It is not a top-tier program. There's a difference between the two. It's a top-tier job because everything that's needed to win championships are there. Instead of hiring smarts and days, they've hired Sumlins and Fishers, and that's what makes the difference between a good job and a good program.
3: You mentioned something there too about with the way teams are playing late in the season, and I think one thing that we've had out here on the West Coast is a semblance of hope. Right? There's some years where you go in and you know you look at that 2019 LSU team, and you're like, "All right, nobody's beating these guys. It's just not going to happen. They're too talented, and we can't even hang. Even if we make the playoff, it's a great accomplishment, but you're not going to win once you get there." There's been a semblance of hope out here, and now I'm looking at Georgia and the way that they're playing late in the season, just thinking like, "Is is this a repeat? This is the third edition of the movie." Uh, uh, are they the best team in college football at this point?
5: Uh, there's not a lot of separation, and I, I'll tell you, I don't think that this Georgia team is on par with the last two years. I know they looked really good the other night. Hmm. Just talking to some folks around the the coaching side of the industry, including in the SEC, uh, they looked at that performance. They looked at Alabama. Uh, they've looked at all these teams, including Michigan, and they said these teams are really good, but there is no pull away, runaway number one right now. There is no team where you get the playoff and unless they turn it over five times, you have no shot. That team doesn't exist this year. And so I, I think because of that, if an Oregon does get loose in the playoff, they can win a national title. I know it's going to be hard for people to fathom because their minds can't get off that. What was it like 49, three or whatever that trouble was last year in Atlanta. That is so long ago. These are such different teams. It's just, it's not the way the sport works. And so, I am very interested when we finally get these four in there. I'm very interested because I think, unlike years past, where it feels like miracles had to happen, I think anything can happen this year.
2: Josh, I was uh, kind of surprised waking up Sunday morning to see that the Heisman market had moved to Bo Nix being the favorite at minus 150. Pennix is uh, just a little bit behind him. And then you go down a little bit, like Marvin Harrison Jr. was third, and Jaden Daniels had over 600 yards of offense this weekend. He's got 4,000 yards, 38 touchdowns. He leads the nation. If not, he's top three in almost every category. Is the Heisman to you, how would you vote it this year? Because to me, I think Nix is more than deserving to be in New York, but I I, I kind of think Jane Daniels has been the best player in college football. How do you view the Heisman race right now?
5: It's extremely close in my mind. I'm not one of those folks who likes to waffle week over week, but I have because Nix has been number one on my board for a few weeks. This past weekend, And up until today is the first time that I've said Jaden Daniels would be my number one vote, if I had one, uh, to cast right now. And that can easily change this weekend. So that's really how close it is in my mind. I still think that um, this will come down to the Pac-12 championship game. Because as much as people like to say it shouldn't be attached to how quality a team you're on is, it is attached to that. And if Bo Nix goes in there and and writes the wrongs, against Washington, if that's who they face in the Pac-12 championship game, and he shines in doing so, if Oregon doesn't win in spite of him, I think that's going to be his award to lose. So I actually think the betting market is right on that. I would vote Daniels at the moment. He is a phenomenal player. I could put him on half a dozen teams right now and have him be favored to win a national title Mm -hmm. that aren't without him.
3: Last two things I got for you, Josh. Uh, One of them is not even a question. It's more of a comment. Like, we... We, we kind of opened the show joking today about game day and them spurning Oregon State, and and the Oregon State fans are not happy about that. But I, as a, as a listener of your show and a watcher of your show, I think the theme of the Once Upon a Saturday tour has has hit home with a lot of us out here on the West Coast because of. What's happening to the conference that we love? And at some places, you know, some teams have new homes and some teams don't. What's happening to Oregon State is inexcusable that they're getting left behind. And so the theme of like, this is the last year of college football as we know it, being the once upon a Saturday tour, not finishing the year, but nearly finishing the year in Corvallis, I think is a perfect way to end it. So kudos to you uh, for coming to Corvallis this weekend. And then the question that I have you can just like cough once or twice. Is there any chance, if it's a yes, you cough once, no, cough twice, that you're going to be at the Civil War in two? weeks are at the Pac-12 championship game.
5: Which one was the one and which one was the car? You can just say yes or no. I know that was confusing. You yeah, can why just you say make yes or cough? no. Why can't he just say well, yes or
2: no? Well, because he's got to keep
3: it under, you know, you can't let people know where you're going. Because the whole reason I'm asking this is because I want to get my hands on one of these, you know, Once Upon a Saturday shirts. He but wants a paid state shirt and he's scared to ask for a free one. No, Josh. I don't want a free one. I want it's, one that I can know, look fondly upon. I wanted here. to get the Seattle one earlier this year, but then my team lost the game and I'm like, I can't look at that shirt in my closet for the rest of my life. It's going to bring up sad memories. So I need a happy memory t shirt. And I'm wondering, do I just bite the bullet and get the one this weekend?
5: You know, I know the folks that own the Pate State store. I happen to have an in with the owner. (laughs) Do you? So if you just get with me off air, I'm sure we can barter our way to working something out. But to answer your question, that Pac-12 championship game is on a Friday night. I am contractually obligated to be at the SEC championship game the next day. I have perused the red eye flights out of Vegas okay. that night to Atlanta. I'll just sicko. say that.
3: Okay, I love that.
2: This is a Sicko's committee thing right this now. This is it. I love I, it dude. Josh, I appreciate you forwarding him to the department that actually handles <laughs> yes. the merch. He's been soft in
3: this interview and I apologize on behalf of the show. Yeah.
5: <laughs> We're definitely sending him a pink version of the shirt, but we will send him <laughs>
3: the I love it. You got any uh, advice for him in Corvallis this weekend you want to uh, give him?
2: Go to, uh, if you check out a meal, if you get there with some time to kill, go to a spot called Local Boys. It's the best Hawaiian food you'll have in your life. I'm particularly fond of the five, number five order there. Uh, and if you have time, I don't think you will, but if you have time... Oregon State wins the game. There's nowhere better to be to check out the scene than the top of the cock. Okay. Trust me, the top of the cock in Corvallis, it's a real place, it's a real thing, and it's not what you think in your mind by hearing
5: that name. Okay? So there you go. Well, what is what I don't I don't know what in the world you claim I thought in my mind. But look, as a guy who's been around South Carolina football, this talk of top of cock doesn't even phase me anymore.
3: Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Happy Cocktober to everybody out there. Josh Pate. You can catch the podcast anywhere you find your podcast. The show is on YouTube at Lee Kick Josh on Twitter. Go give him a follow and check out the store because he's going to have a sweet shirt with the Corvallis Oregon logo on the back there once upon a Saturday and uh, give him a follow on Instagram as well for some behind the scenes info. We always appreciate the time, Josh. Thanks, man. Enjoy Corvallis this weekend and hopefully we can catch up again soon.
5: I appreciate it, guys. There
3: you go. Josh Pate of Late Kick Live. He's you gonna You went be a way shirt. long just
2: to get a free T-shirt. Look at that.
3: I just, I really want one of those T-shirts, dude. We can it's tell. It's a sweet T-shirt. We can tell. Have you seen the shirts? They're I haven't awesome. Seen
2: them. I haven't seen this week's
3: yet. Okay. So he does a special one for every week that he yeah, goes, right. and it has the city and the, the the date on the back of it. You want a Corvallis one? Well, this is why I was asking if he's going to be at the Civil War, I would get that one because it would say Eugene, Oregon, Onson Stadium, or the Pac-12 title game. He's not coming to Oregon. Two I don't think he is. Weeks. No, he's not. Yeah, I know he's not. But if goes ask for an Oregon one, <laughs> if he goes to the pac title game, I can get that one. Because then it, well, if my team win, yeah, if we get there, there's a lot still to figure out. All right, well, let's. Uh, we went a little long there. We'll have a couple more thoughts on uh, the weekend of college football. Move on to some NFL stuff in the final hour. back after this on the fam.
4: This ain't the heartache that I thought I knew. This is Dirt and Sprague on 1080, the fan.
3: Well, whittling along there with Pate, um, something he said that I actually one hundred percent agree with, outside of criticizing me for criticizing Oregon. Let me criticize, damn it. Uh, is that I one hundred percent buy into if if mm-hmm. Washington gets to the Pac twelve title game with one loss or better, okay, and Oregon wins this weekend and wins the next weekend, I think the winner of the Pac twelve title game at quarterback wins the Heisman Trophy. Uh, it certainly feels that way, according to the odds makers. I um, like who else? I, I, the Jane Daniels argument is great. His numbers are unbelievable. But as a four loss team, I just don't see it. Well, there are three loss three team. loss team. I, I just, I, I, yeah, he got
2: knocked out of one of those losses. Like I, I think ultimately, if he doesn't get hurt against Alabama and they can pull that upset, I'm not sure we're having a conversation. He probably would have won the award. But I, but I kind of think that speaks to the ridiculousness of the award. It very well, I've been saying this the whole time, Knicks and Penix are in New York. Like, Book your tickets, book the hotel. It's a done deal. There's nothing that's going to happen. Pennix could have an awful game this weekend. He's still going to be in New York at the bare minimum. And I understand why some Duck fans don't appreciate the commentary on this, but like, you can't agree on everything about Oregon. Jaden Daniels is having a historical season. And if we're just going to turn this into best quarterback on best team thing, then let's just call it what it is. Whereas, I thought this was supposed to be best
3: player in college football. Nobody's
2: having a better year than Jane Daniels.
3: I mean, it hasn't been that award for a long time. That's a tough part. There's been a lot of years. Like, the one that I will point well, to...
2: Well, Devonta Smith won the award. Sure, that's an outlier. Unbelievable.
3: I would I would point to, I think this example is the Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry example. Christian McCaffrey was on a 2-3 loss team. He yeah. was better in literally every metric than Derrick Henry. Historical season. And Derrick Henry won the Heisman Trophy. Why? Because uh, Alabama, Alabama went undefeated. And they yes. were in the national championship Henry, game. Right. But Christian McCaffrey played on the West Coast. Night games didn't get as much attention. They kind of flew under the radar because they weren't undefeated all year. Yeah. He was better than him in almost every statistical category. I just, when you look at the stats of this, right? Well, Knicks- James Daniels is nuts, dude. He's nuts. I'll say that I ag- He's in top three of like everything. Everything, it's yeah. It's unreal. I think your next, I agreed with your Knicks take more two weeks ago than I have the last, t- I think his numbers and the way he's played the last two weeks has been more Heisman worthy oh. as opposed to where he was maybe three weeks ago where it was like, dude, they're dominant on the ground. He's playing great. But I agreed with the take of like, yeah, that doesn't scream Heisman to me. I think what he's done the last two weeks though has vaulted him up and that's why the Vegas markets have him where they're at. You
2: nitpicked uh organs when I, I I'm nitpicking some of this stuff. Oh for sure. We're talking about the best of the best doing this. But like if I was to to nitpick, I I just I think in Eugene, the reason I don't see the, the Knicks thing, and I agree with what you just said, the last two weeks statistically are insane, and like, again, he's going to be in New York if not win the award. The yak helped on Saturday night. Well, yeah, you throw a, <laughs> a 15-yard pass that goes 88 yards. A yak. A lot of yak. A lot of yak. Where's I, the
3: yak woman when you need her? I just
2: feel like they're such a complete team, and again, I don't mean to make that sound like I'm punishing Bo Nix, but Bucky's awesome. The offensive line, like somebody did a poll question last week, who's been the MVP The offensive line was an option, and it was fourth. And I'm like, okay, like none of this matters if that group's not good. Franklin's put himself in the best receiver in the conference category, and the defense is nationally elite. I just – I look at LSU and I go, well, Jaden Daniels doesn't have 600 yards and four touchdowns. They're probably a five-loss team this year, maybe a six-loss team. I'm just – I'm trying to go off best stats, best season – And when I went through the numbers last night, like Knicks is certainly in there for passing percentage, completion percentage, but every other category is Jane Daniels or Jane Daniels close. And I, I know he's nine to one, which tells you he's probably a super big long shot to win it. And you just gamble on Knicks and Penix. Yeah. I I just, this is going to kind of be, maybe your example's right there. I'm just always in my life going to think Jaden Daniels was the best player in college football this season, even though he's going to be the guy that maybe doesn't get the award. The
3: tough part, too, that goes into this whole argument that we'll go is that when you're on a lesser team, you got you got to do more. Like, that's the other aspect of what this. What he is doing. I mean, well, I know, what I'm he's saying, doing is I'm saying court. how many games has, has have, like, Knicks and Penix, for example, sat in the fourth quarter, especially early on in the year, where yeah. you're just not needing them and you're bringing in your backup because you're up by 30. LSU hasn't had a lot of games like that. They played Army a couple of weeks ago, but every other conference game has been relatively close for them, and so they've needed him down the stretch, and it's just going to give you more of an opportunity. Real quick, there's a guy that Chris
2: Felica of Fox retweeted, uh, the tailgate tent He dove into some metrics about the Heisman. He gave, like, a big thread on this. I'd highly advise to go read it because he gives you the classifications and stats that people thrive in to win this award traditionally. Nix is not at the top of most of these, and he basically finishes saying he doesn't think Bo Nix is the best player in college football this year Mm. based on the metrics in the past voting, but it certainly doesn't mean he's not going to win the award. And I think it's just an interesting look of – I think it's a big conversation. Mostly, this time every year, we know who the Heisman winner is. Yeah, this year you don't. It it could be three or four different guys, and I don't know if it really is, but I just think it's a fascinating one. I don't care about the award as much as I used to, but the, the, the possibility of a Duck winning it again just a short time after Mariota and a Husky winning it for the first time yeah, first or one. a Jaden Daniels doing it when nobody out here who watched him at ASU thought this was going to happen— I just find it a, b- a very interesting conversation.
3: Well, listener at the Vancouver 4-Tex, then we'll go. It's unfortunately been this way for a long time. Troy Smith, Chris Winkie, Jason White, Eric Crouch. Like a lot of times, it's just quarterback best yeah. team, and that's the winner of the award. The Crouch so, one was egregious. That, we that was that horrible. Up. <laughs> um, all right, we got a lot to get to in the final hour of the show. I got some NFL thoughts. We haven't talked much NFL yet from this weekend. Are the Texans for real? Hello, Forty Nine ers. Uh, some final thoughts on the college football weekend. We'll dive a little bit more into the U W Utah game. Lots to get to in the final hour. Don't go anywhere. Dirt and spring on.